sex machine. It better be magnificent. More sex and less machine? <laughs> yes. Okay. From Rosemary's Baby and Reagan McNeil to Jason, Freddie, and Chucky to Samara, Jigsaw, and Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we are ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. With me tonight are my two co-hosts, Helen Stewart. Hello. And Jimmy Stewart. Hello. How is everybody? Excited (laughs) to be here. And for all of you Anne fans out there, don't worry. This is not a permanent replacement. I may be a bastard, but I'm not a fucking bastard. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, yeah. Boy. Yes, Anne is uh, busy tonight, so uh, we had uh, Jim step in, who is Helen's husband. Lucky me. It is lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, tonight we are going to review the 1996 American action horror film from Dust Till Dawn, directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by Quentin Tarantino. It stars Harvey Keitel, George Clooney, Tarantino, and Juliet Juliette Lewis. After enjoying modest success at the box office, it has since become a cult film. So when we start off here, we usually go through our expectations going into watching the film. Helen, you want to give us your expectations? (laughs) Sure. So I thought I had never seen this film before. And then as we were watching it, we got into the middle, probably an hour in, and I realized that there was one scene I have seen on TV. And then Ray had told me it was going to be a bro film, so I expected lots of boobs. (laughs) And and you were not disappointed. I was not disappointed. Jim? I had seen this movie several times. It's probably been a long time since I saw it uncut. I was excited to uh, watch it again. You know, it's Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino, so it's uh, definitely a good bro film, as my wife would say. <laughs> I obviously chose this movie to watch. It was my week to choose a movie, and I've been wanting to review this movie since the whole concept of... Uh, the podcast kind of came up. I've seen it, I think, first time I saw it, I think was 1996 or 1997. I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it with my cousins. We knew it was a horror movie, but I don't think we realized when we watched it that it was going to go so long as like a straight Tarantino-esque movie and then drop right at the, almost, I would say, the third act into a straight-up vampire um, horror film, which I think was... uh, was kind of a shock, which I think is what they're after in the movie. So I really wanted to rewatch it with a critical eye and see if it held up now that I've gotten a little more sort of chops around watching the movie and kind of dissecting it. All right, so with that, usually Anne rolls the trailer, but this time we're going to let Jimmy roll the trailer. All right, Jimmy. All right, let's see if I can do this. It's trailer time. Ready, be cool. You be cool. Somewhere in the middle of nowhere... Profile. You understand the meaning of the words profile? Sure. Two of America's most dangerous criminals have taken hostages. What is this? It's called a punch. I'm going to ask you one question, and all I want is a yes or no answer. Do you want to live through this? Yes. Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. One night is all that stands between them and freedom. This is my kind of place. But it's going to be one hell of a night. We 
might be in trouble. We have a bunch of fucking vampires out there trying to get in here and suck our fucking blood. Now, their only chance is to fight back. George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino, Juliet Lewis. Welcome to slavery. No thanks. I already had a wife. From dusk till dawn. Fugitive bank robbers Seth and Richie Gecko hold up a liquor store, killing clerk Pete Bottoms and Texas Ranger Earl McGraw, and in the process, they inadvertently destroy the building. At the motel room where they are hiding out, Seth returns to find Richie has raped and murdered a bank clerk they had taken hostage. So I have to say, like, when you first start watching this movie and going back to when it was made, was it 96? Yeah. Okay. So at the time, George Clooney is hot doctor from the ER. George Clooney, respectable, womanizing, but not, you know, still respectable doctor. And then he comes into this film where he's like, ridiculous neck tattoo, all these cursing, it just was, it was phenomenal thinking of what he was to what he now has entered into as his new role. So I loved it. So apparently this was like his feature film. This was one of his first films. I mean, he was on ER, obviously. Right. But he kind of had like the tousled hair and the whole thing in ER. Yeah. And in this movie, he's just badass. Yeah. Like the neck tattoo was ridiculous. It looked like somebody did draw it on with a Sharpie, but maybe he, he didn't probably, go for the He high probably drawed it in on with a Sharpie. <laughs> yeah. I actually loved the uh, the beginning of this movie with it being Quentin Tarantino wrote it like a year after Desperado came out. But yeah, I, I just love the whole you've got this this long speech going on between the, these two guys, and it's very reminiscent of Desperado with the the bar scene with Cheech Marin, of course, and Quentin Tarantino. You know, and then he goes to the bathroom, and then all of a sudden you see the Gecko Brothers come out, and you're like, where the hell have they been standing the whole time? They're just hanging out in the corner of you know Wally's Liquor World or whatever it was ben, called. Ben, Benny's Benny's World of Liquor. Benny's yeah. World of Liquor. Because it was going to be Benny's World of Blood. If we don't right. have it, you don't get it. <laughs> That's what I perked That's out. Right. I thought it was great. I mean, one of the strengths of this movie is Tar- Tarantino and the dialogue. I mean, the dialogue all the way through, the conversations all the way through this movie are crisp. And I think they carry a lot of the weight of the movie. You don't really get to the vampires and the horror, if you can call it horror, until essentially, <laughs> you know, the last act of the movie. So. Right. But it definitely flips, though, because I think the first half of the movie is very Tarantino-esque. You know, lots of dialogue, lots of, you know, you're trying to figure out what's going on. And then once it flips to, quote-unquote, horror, which I'm not sure you can call this horror. I think uh, it's it's a time period where they're like, oh, there's vampires in it, so it has to be horror. And, you know, but before Twilight, when they were cool. And, and then it just turns to, like, it, it's very much not a Tarantino movie and very much a Robert Rodriguez yeah, movie. Yeah, definitely Robert Rodriguez at that point. Yeah, it, I agree. It's, it's definitely, like, two separate movies. This surprised me how much I was entertained by it. Like, as soon as they go into this liquor store, the ranger started talking. I was like, this is – he's he's funny – He's got this accent that makes him kind of podunky down there, whatever, near the border of Mexico, as I'm assuming where it's happening. You are now alienated all of our Texas uh, audience. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Texans. Um, <laughs> but I did, like, I loved the the interaction, and it felt real, but it didn't feel, I don't, I don't know, I usually don't like the hot desert area type movies, because it just feels desolate and kind of, you know, like, I need a drink of water or something. Yeah, I definitely felt like that whole banter between the, the ranger and the clerk, you know, it was, Great, great dialogue. And then when he goes to the restroom, 
all of a sudden out of nowhere, here comes Clooney, and he's just, you know, cussing up a storm left and right, like, I'm going to kill you, he's got a gun in his face, the clerk, I mean, that I felt like that whole scene was amazing, especially with Tarantino, so I was oh, like, yeah. oh, he's trying to send signals, and he's like, I didn't send a signal, and he's like, you're sending signals, he's like, you told me yes. to act natural, like, and it's just, I, I just, you weren't expecting yeah. that the first time you watched it, and it, uh, I just thought it was uh, really well done. Yeah, so um, they have the whole argument about, you know, make sure you're acting natural, don't uh, alert the the ranger that we're here, you know, just that, and then guy comes back, and the clerk's actually doing a really good job for somebody that's, like, scared out of his mind. Yeah. It's, it's pretty impressive. And then, out of nowhere, here comes Richie, the first time you actually realize, like, how insane he actually is in this movie, shoots the ranger, and then starts attacking the clerk, and then... You have this amazing, you know, the classic six shooter that shoots like 32 bullets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and for these really like uh, scary, badass criminals, hit everything except their target, which was amazing because they're just blowing up all the bottles, yeah, you yeah. know, and then, and then Clooney's like, oh, I got a plan. When I count to three, start shooting bottles and he's lighting toilet paper on fire and... It was a great plan. Oh, okay. I mean, it was amazing. Okay. What was amazing is he hits the uh, the shelf and it falls down in his hand or whatever. And that's what it, you know, oh, that's yeah. how, I mean, he's badass all the way. I mean, that was totally cool. Like, you know, that, that was like the Fonz hitting the, uh, the jukebox. <laughs> the jukebox, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So then they end up blowing up the place. It was amazing. Yep. Like leaving with that kind of like the slow walk with the building blowing up behind yeah. them. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. But, and they're arguing, which is funny yes. to me. Like Clooney's like, God. Richie gets a bullet wound in his hand. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the yes, hand. Yes, let's not forget how we decide to look through said bullet hole oh, and yeah. perfectly be able to see through the other side. And then, yeah. you know, bro movie, duct tape fixes everything. Yeah, hey, well, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> I um, just feel like, I mean, God, glo- taking that off would be horrible. Glue's going to go right through the hole, so you have to use duct tape in that case. I see, I see. Yeah. So they're in the hotel with the with the ladies. I like how, I like how um, uh, Seth Gecko leaves and comes back it's giving out the Big Kahuna Burger, which, of course, Big Kahuna Burger is from Pulp Fiction and some of the other movies, and um, realizes he has, like, two in his hand. Like, wait a minute, I have this extra burger. What's that supposed to be? Oh, that goes to, that's for the woman. And he's like, where's the woman? And, of course, Richie's, like, in the in the other room. And he goes to, goes to open the door. I like how they do the flashes. Yes, I like, like it, too. Like, he doesn't really – you don't really see what it is at first. And even when they reverse the camera angle and you're kind of looking into the room, he's blocking most of that. Most of that shot. Right, yeah. So, I, I mean, you just kind of, with the way that they filmed that, you get this idea that the picture is so horrible, even though you don't get to see the full effect of it, that it, it just was like a horrible crime and what that poor woman had to have gone through. Yeah. I think the one thing that makes that scene so powerful when uh, Seth, you know, realizes that, the, you know, Richie's killed this woman is before he goes out to get the burgers and he's, you know, going over the rules with the bank teller, you know. Like, yeah. You don't say word you don't ask questions you don't try to run and he's very much like do all that and you'll live i'll let you go and as you go through the movie you kind of realize he says this you know a couple different times you know with with different people and realize you know at the core of it like he kind of wants to live up to his word and when he tells you he's going to let you live he's going to let you live so i i think the fact that he did that left her there with richie and then comes back and this woman's just you know Basically, you see a pillow where her head should be. So yeah. I, I think that was, you know, obviously very intentional because you don't even know if her head is still there or not. You just see blood in the pillow. But I, I felt like that made it more powerful that he came back and it's like, what what the hell? Like, I told this woman I was going to let her live as long as she followed our rules. And then you went crazy. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the central tension of the first 
two thirds of the movie is, you know, Richie and Seth Gecko and, and, and their relationship as brothers. And then of course, Seth realizing that Richie's, I mean, nuts, you know, and, and how he relates that and how he reacts to it. I mean, for a movie that could be completely shallow, I think that piece adds a little depth to the movie. It actually adds sort of the, the, the dramatic element, which you'd be completely lacking if it wasn't in there in the first two thirds. And then from about the, whatever, the end of the first act up to the last two acts is also the relationship between Seth and Jacob and their respective families. Yeah, I, I do think that that was part of maybe why I liked this so much better than The Evil Dead, because it wasn't just boobs and nonsense, that there was actually kind of like that interactions between people and you're kind of interested in the family dynamic of the two brothers. and Because what they did was pretty horrible, and they are just going down and killing all these rangers and robbing banks and whatever. Jacob Fuller, a pastor experiencing a crisis of faith, is on vacation with his teenage children Scott and Kate in their RV. They stop at a motel and are kidnapped by the geckos, who force the Fullers to smuggle them over the Mexico border. In Mexico, they arrive at the Titty Twister, a strip club in the desert, where the geckos will be met by their contact Carlos at dawn. Carlos will escort them to the Sanctuary at El Rey, a place of safety for fugitives from justice, whose admission fee is 30% of everything they have. When Richie complains to Seth that it's too high, Seth tells him it's non-negotiable. We have Scott, who is a no-name actor, right? This is his first movie. It might be his only movie. I don't know. I've never seen anything else with him in it. And he is by far the the weakest link in the movie, in my so opinion. So do you think he was supposed to be just because, like, I don't know. It seemed like they were playing on the Chinese aspect a lot. And, like, he clearly is adopted. So like, I just feel like maybe they were trying to, like, like he's supposed to be awkward. Well, I, I think that his part is written so that he can be awkward and it works. But I don't think he's acting like he's awkward. Yeah. If I so, mean... he's a really good actor. <laughs> it had to be his first role because, in, like, in the opening credits, the last thing you get, you know, after Quentin Tarantino and George Clooney and Harvey Keitel is you get an introducing Ernie Liu. Oh, yeah, Ernie Liu. Oh, yeah. is that who it is? And that's probably the last time you've ever heard the name Ernie Liu. I'm going to look him up. And uh, <laughs> in terms of... Like, yeah, he's, I don't know if he was just a bad actor or really good at acting like he's a bad actor. I just didn't really get his character. I felt like the fact that he was, was he Chinese or Japanese? I forget the way. He was the, Chinese. Okay, I forget the way the argument went with uh, yep. Harvey and, and, and George. But um, it's, you expected that to be important in some way. You know, you've got this, this preacher, you have his, you know, very like virgin-esque, teenage daughter who looks you know as pure as can be and then their chinese brother son and there's never any kind of explanation for it you know i expected there to be some kind of uh you know talk about adoption or you know some rough upbringing or, or something ernie Liu played in some other things but nothing that i've ever heard of the faculty which was a tv series nope i remember uh, the movie yeah relativity no nope. which is also a TV series? The Westing Game? No. Uh, Unhappily Ever After? Yeah, so, so yeah, he did he did that, do... is, is that a documentary of his, of his life after? <laughs> <laughs> also, one episode of that TV series. Once and Again and Unscripted. Unscripted is the most recent in 2005. Hmm. So, yeah, hmm. I would say not... I don't, I don't think his acting got any better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Based poor. off this list. Still, still working, though. Well, as a... 
13 years ago. 2005. 14 years ago. <laughs> yeah. He has, yeah, I'm sure he has a primary career. Retired young. <laughs> he did exactly. some lighting and some producing or something. So. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. He, I, I feel like he has to be probably somebody's kid who got in there. Yeah. You know, Rodriguez's buddy's nephew or something. You know what I mean? Okay, so, like, we're at the motel where, you know, the clerk, the bank teller gets killed and we know that the Gecko brothers are there. And then in pools the family at the motorhome and they almost run into Seth and he gives them this creepy like I'm staring you down type things so you're like what what is he staring at them for so you don't I didn't I didn't pick up on that point what he was trying to get at like cuz obviously now we know he's assessing the fact that this is a motorhome and maybe he's just like getting his plan to get across the border to Mexico cuz I know that they're going to have problems with that and then they get into the motel room and then all hell breaks loose with they're knocking on the door and kidnap the family. And what did you think about the dads trying to stand up for the son? And I thought that was pretty weak. I thought it was. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, they have the guns. What are you going to? Are you going to die? I, I mean, didn't, I didn't feel like it was actually like there was no realism there for me. You didn't believe the, uh, hey, my girlfriend and I would, uh, were really looking for a bucket of ice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we don't have a bucket. Could we maybe borrow yours? You, you didn't buy that. <laughs> <laughs> or or the fact that he has a bloody hand, yeah. which, of course, they kind of don't show. I but might need my I would probably that. see that. Yeah. Yeah. But I did yeah. like how Juliette Lewis comes in and she's in her bikini because she was like, by God, if we're going to stay in a motel, it has to have a pool. So she, clearly she got her pool. She comes in with her bikini and then you see Richie eyeing her up in this super creepy way. And is that the toe scene where we see him fixating on our feet? No, that's, that's no, later. That's later. That's in the RV. Oh, this uh, is ugh. this is the this is the him imagining her asking. Oh, him asking to, to go. You know, yeah, her. yeah. No, he wants to do something dirty. So one thing I didn't, of course, appreciate when I watched it in '96, nor in the intervening years when I caught it on TV or whatever, is the fact that Juliet Lewis's character is a teenager. I think they're supposed to be teenagers still, mm-hmm. and I mean like underage teenagers, I believe. Uh, and of course, Richie Gecko is an older man. Yeah. So there's this really kind of the yucky thing. It's not just he's, you know, wants to have sex with her and she's an adult. He wants to have sex with her and she's not an adult. So it's kind of creepy on that level too. Yeah. I just feel like he's super creepy. Like he's obviously just going to a woman murderer. Like. So definitely super creepy. But I felt like that scene was really important to kind of his character in the movie because to this point you're like okay this guy's just kind of you, you assume he's a lunatic you know when he's uh you go back to um the liquor store where he's like i saw him mouth the word help us you yeah. know i he's definitely giving signals you know and then with the the bank clerk where he's just sitting there and then next thing you know she he's murdered her and you're not really sure what happened there and he's like she just started going yeah, crazy. You, you, you left. Know, and you she, know, she, she's a different person. Yeah, a different yeah. person. And then this is the first time when, you know, he imagines Juliet Lewis's character, like, saying those things to him that you realize you're like, oh, this guy is literally hearing things. Like, mm-hmm. he is literally insane. Yeah. And, you know, it, that's why he's doing the things he's doing. It's not just that he's, you know, just a bad guy. It's, you know, so I, I felt like that was an important scene where you're just like, oh, this guy really has problems. But I guess if you think about it, Do so that. <laughs> in Richie's mind, though, because he's crazy, like, and again, you have this, like, what's supposed to be a very pure character. She's wearing the cross. Her dad's a preacher. You know, 
she wants him to get back to to being a preacher and a minister and like you know believing in God, and so I, I feel like in Richie's you know fantasy, it's got to be a very dirty, raunchy thing for her to say. Sure, you know, I do love just his to reaction to just it. to completely flip it around because she know? says it in a kind of sultry voice, and then he says like, "Really? Yeah, you? Oh, okay. Oh, I'll do that." <laughs> <laughs> I'll, do, like, I'll do that for you. I was like, you might want to like, I understand that you hear voices, but at this point you probably should say, let me see if she really said that. How do you follow up with that? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you ask me to? Yeah. <laughs> like her dad's right there. Which actually takes us to the scene in the RV because that's pretty much what he kind of approaches it with. Which is like, hey, well, I'll, I'll do what you asked me to do. And she's like, what? And he's like, what you asked me to do? She's like, what did I ask you to do? Right. And she's calling him him on it. Um, and then, of course, Seth, Seth's like, what do you say? Put your bid in? Is that when he says, put your yeah. bid in? Oh, I love the retainer. Puts his retainer in. Oh, that was hilarious. Because here you are running away, and but you think to pack your retainer. Like, ridiculous. And then they couldn't understand what he was saying. So then he then has to take it out to say. Yeah. <laughs> Such a weird. I mean, those things are expensive. You don't they just leave that behind. Well, but if you're going to you, go, you already take give, somebody from like kidnap somebody. Yeah, but you already you're get, on the run. You, you already get, give thirty percent of your. You're cut going to Mexico. To your teeth like, don't he, matter anymore. Yeah. You hey, can't afford a new retainer. Hey, right? look, they don't have beds or pools in Mexico. They damn well sure don't have dentists there. <laughs> That's true. Sorry, sorry, Mexico. I know you have dentists. It, it but it was, it was a very just. Uh, it, it played well because just the whole banter back and forth with him watching the kids, and he's very much a child in that scene. Yeah. Right. You know, and then it really made zero sense at all for him to be like, hey, Richie, time to put your bid in. Like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah. like now is the time, you know, right before we get to the Mexico border for us to uh, work on my overbite? Like, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah. Well, when obviously, it's it's Seth realizing he's trying to break up their conversation, right? right? right. And he's and he's knows that Richie's obviously looking at the at the, at the girl but so. he keeps putting him in these situations and you know that this is like the bank teller was not the first time he killed a woman there's no way like you don't just go aggressively into murdering people like that like he's obviously had these issues with women for a period of time and yet you keep putting him in these situations where he's alone or watching kids that he shouldn't be and just hoping for the best i guess they were probably hoping he would kill scott maybe 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 they agreed before, like, look, we're going to put it back there with Scott, and maybe we'll take care of things. <laughs> and Jacob was probably like, listen, to be a, uh, uh, be a load the, off my shoulders. The adoption was a bad idea. It was my wife's idea. <laughs> now that she's gone, <laughs> we can get rid of him. <laughs> oh, that's rude. Aww. That sounds too bad. And then they make it to the Mexican border, where we see Cheech for the first time, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Great. I love, I love him. Yeah, that whole scene was was well done. I thought. I mean, the tension they have with them in the in the bathroom, and of course, all hiding at first, and then Richie's kind of freak, you know, starts freaking out at Seth. And meanwhile, Cheech is talking to the the father and the son up front. They've already lied about only being the two of them in the in the vehicle. And then Seth was he? He hits Richie in the face, right? Right. Hits him in the face. He passes out. Richie, Richie passes out and makes that noise, and then Cheech comes on, on board, and then you get to see Juliette Lewis with her pants down. In the yeah, in the bathroom, and then Cheech gets creepy. 
Yeah, and also George Clooney. George George Clooney oh, gives yes, her a he look, did. and yeah. I I always thought the other times I've seen it, I thought he was giving her an appreciative like good job of, oh, of yeah. selling it. He's looking but, at her, but with he JJ. definitely gives her. Well, yeah, yeah. You, you definitely see his eyes go down. Yep, <laughs> but he was I, probably like, "Thank you," and thank you. <laughs> yeah, the the scene with Cheech was just hysterical because he's very slowly shutting his curtain. <laughs> like first he's banging on the door, and she's like. I'm going to the bathroom or I'm in here. And he's like, open up. She's like, okay, open up. And he pulls the curtain and she, and then just looks appalled. She's like, well, close it. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, yeah. And then he's just very slowly, it was almost like that Austin Powers scene, you know, with the, the steamroller. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He's just very slowly. <laughs> and you see his, like, eyes, yeah, his head his goes eyes with drift the curtain. Down. Yeah, his head goes with the curtain. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then, and then you see George holding Richie up in kind of the closet and then, uh, you know, he puts his eyes down and looks, and you're like, "Oh man, you know, these creeping, creepy guys everywhere." Yeah, I guess I I never caught it with Seth until this time, and then I was yeah. I almost I was a little disappointed because it kind of changes a little bit the the relationship they have at the end if you pl- if you think too much about that that look. But I mean, I'm assuming I mean she had to pull her pants down anyway before she sat down or whatever. Right. So I mean, you know, had to be real, yeah. The bar employees reveal themselves as vampires and kill most of the patrons. Richie is bitten by a stripper and dies. Only Seth, Jacob, Kate, Scott, a biker named Sex Machine, and Frost, a Vietnam veteran, survive. The others are reborn as vampires, including Richie, forcing the survivors to kill them all. When an army of vampires in bat form assembles outside, the survivors lock themselves in, but Sex Machine is bitten, becomes a vampire, and bites Frost and Jacob. Frost throws Sex Machine through the door, allowing the vampires to enter while Frost turns into a vampire. Seth, Kate, and Scott escape to a storeroom, followed shortly by an injured but still alive Jacob, brandishing a shotgun. In the storeroom, they fashion weapons from truck cargo. The vampires have looted from past victims, including a stake mounted on a pneumatic drill, crossbow, and holy water, which requires Jacob to recover his faith to bless. Jacob, knowing he will soon become a vampire, makes Scott and Kate promise to kill him when he changes. The group make their final assault on the undead. Sex Machine mutates into a large rat-like creature and attacks Seth, but is killed. Jacob becomes a vampire, but Scott hesitates to kill him, allowing Jacob to bite him. Scott hits Jacob with the holy water and shoots him. Scott is overwhelmed by vampires who begin to devour him. He begs for death, and Kate shoots him. As vampires surround Kate and Seth, streams of morning light enter through the bullet holes in the building, making the vampires back away. Carlos arrives, and his bodyguards blast the door open, lighting the sunlight in and killing the vampires. Seth chastises Carlos for his poor choice of meeting place and negotiates a smaller tribute for his admission to El Rey. Kate asks Seth if she can go with him to El Rey, but he refuses, apparently as a kindness, leaving her with some cash. Kate drives away in the RV, leaving the titty twister revealed to be the top of a partially buried Aztec temple behind. So we get to the titty twister. Yeah, I loved the neon sign. Where it's literally just, yeah. A titty being twisted? Yes. (laughs) It was so ridiculous. <laughs> and then we get to uh, the second sighting of, of Cheech. Yeah, Cheech number two. Yeah. Uh, he was ridiculous, riling everybody up to come in. Chet, oh. Chet, I believe his name was. I believe it was. I, I believe you look it up. It's it's Pussy Chet. Pussy Chet? Yes, that's his name. Oh. Obviously Pussy something because right. he, he, he says the word about 50 he times. Does. And it yeah. is so freaking funny. So funny. Yeah, because you're like. You had to go out of your way to get to there. So really, why would you need... And the neon sign would just, I'm sure, draw any man into that place. 
but why would you need this man out there saying, come on in, we got this, we got that, we got this, we also have that. Like, unnecessary, but hilarious. I felt like selling a completely different service than what the bar advertises as. Yes. <laughs> I know. I agree. I, I was agree. like, is this a, a strip club? Is this a brothel? Like, what is happening here? Yeah, exactly. I didn't get the whorehouse aspect of it. Maybe we just didn't get that far. Or maybe they're just false advertising to get, get people right. in the door. But yeah, I also liked the shot at the end, kind of up from uh, looking up at at. Cheech's character as he's kind of finishing his his monologue or sales pitch or whatever, and of course, what does he say? Pussy for a penny. Oh, yeah. You can find any pussy cheaper. And he looks down at the camera. He says, "Fuck it!" Like yeah. it's so funny, so funny. Yeah, and then you know, obviously they're they're walking in with this. <laughs> you've got the the two gangsters. Uh, you, you know this very pure girl, this little Asian boy, the, the preacher. They're all walking in this place, and you're like. You know, you would expect to get more looks than they actually got. And then I'm not even sure if I missed it, but all of a sudden, you know, uh, Seth like beats the hell out of Chet, you know, and then he's laying there and then, you know, Richie, just cause he's crazy and he seems like the guy that would then go stomp somebody after on the ground, goes back and kicks him a few times. But I'm like, I was like, well, where did that even come from? <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming that came from. Well, he says apple pie pussy, right? Mm. So he's talking yeah. about Juliet Lewis's character. Mm. And then I think he's trying to stop them from going in because they're not truck drivers. Uh, I think he's making a motion to stop them. And that's why Seth basically lays them out. And then they go in and they get, of course, at the bar. The guy says, you can't be here if you're not a truck driver. Because I guess they're not transient enough, right? Right. 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 And, uh, and then... But Jacob but, has the whole, yeah. like, I have a Class C driver's license motor or B home, driver's yeah. license or whatever it is. I have a motorhome out there. It's a recreational vehicle He's like, or a will, recreational yeah, truck or something, is. right? You'll see a recreational vehicle out there, which you have to have a Class C license for. <laughs> like, yeah. What? So at this point in the movie, as the only female here right now, I was like, this is what I have been wondering where it's been with all the boobs. The yeah. women dancing on the tables provocatively. I was like, I knew it was a bro movie. I knew going through the first hour of it with the jokes and all that. I was like, okay, this is bro-like, but where are where are my boobs? And here we have them. Here they all are, all at once. We got them for like the whole, yeah, less, all rest in your of face. the movie. Yep. There were a lot of boobs. There were yes. a lot of boobs. But not Salma <laughs> Hayek's boobs. No, mm. yeah. She was the she was scantily clad, but they were. Yes. Yes. But she has a rockin' body. She does, and she's very young looking in that movie, too. Her face looks super young. Yes, she does. Yeah. Well, she is undead, so. (laughs) Okay, that's why. That's that's obviously why, yeah. I have a little fun fact about her. So she nearly passed on the role because she's deathly terrified of snakes. I don't know if you saw that. And, of course, the snake is humongous, and I'm not sure how she got over it. I know she did some hypnotherapy for months beforehand. But the only reason why they got her to do the role was because they said Madonna was interested. So I don't know if there's a she hates Madonna. Samhai versus Madonna. Wow. Yeah. I mean, or maybe she thought like, oh, well, if Madonna's interested, then this this is probably like a pretty high profile role. And uh, well, was Madonna really doing any movies? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. A league of their own. But she didn't. <laughs> that's like a whole different <laughs> like. Yeah. I, I, so I was just shocked that she would have been like, all right, I'll take it. I'll take this 15-foot python thing and wear it around my mostly naked self because Madonna's going to go for this role. Did, 
did you see the couple scenes where the snake's tail is like curling into oh, her bikini? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. And I, was I was like, like oh. I was like, what's that snake doing? Like, and she pulls it off really well for being terrified. Like the entire time she looked unbelievably sexy. Well, also, how heavy is that snake? She's trying to dance with that snake on her. I'm thinking, man, that snake's pretty heavy. She's trying to gyrate. Yeah. And she definitely does better dancing once the snake's like gone. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty thick snake. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's not where I was going for. But. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was large and it was thick. It was, that, it that, wasn't, that wasn't any better. <laughs> I'm just going to stay quiet. <laughs> okay. That's good. That's a good move. So this is obviously where the movie turns and goes into the horror section. Although I will say this is a unique type of movie for a vampire movie. Because it doesn't treat vampires how vampires are typically treated. They're typically loners or in small groups, right? And they're typically sexualized. Like the, their feeding is is a kind of a metaphor for sex. And this these are treated much more like zombies. It's much more like a, a mass group survival sort of scenario than what you typically see with vampires, I think. Even the scene where they all turn... You know, she does the sexy dance. She does all this. Like, when you think about when they first walk in and they do the, you know, the, the I'm a trucker and, you know, they're trying to turn away. I started to think, like, you know, so we learned that, you know, they're basically, you know, killing all these truckers and taking all their loot and all this. And, like, is it basic? Were they trying to turn them away because, you know, you have Jacob and his kids that there's the assumption that somebody's going to come looking for them if they go missing? Because even... Before uh, Salma Hayek turns into a vampire, there's really no assumption she's going to turn into a vampire. It's not until, you know, they stab Richie through the hole in his hand again and he starts bleeding that she basically almost gets this thirst. And then that's when she turns into a vampire. So it's almost like they weren't going to do anything that night. You know what I mean? That's interesting. I've never really thought of that. Yeah. I mean, they come in to remove them from the bar. Right, that's ostensibly what they're going to do. Uh, Cheech comes back, and you have the the big, the ape that laid his hand on right. Seth, and you have um, Machete. Uh, the three of them come to remove them from the bar, yeah, and then they stab Richie in the hand, and then the blood makes her change into the vampire, right? right. So, and it, yeah, and it's basically, if you, you know, if all they were going to do was kill them anyway, like, why are they you know, so insistent on trying to get these guys out of the bar? Yeah, yeah. So it, it kind of made me think that it was almost like an accidental where they all became vampires and killed everybody in the bar. Yeah, I thought once Richie took the knife back and stabbed Machete like 50 times in the chest and then stuck the knife back and it's the green blood that you see is the first real clue that something's wrong. Right. Like I feel like at that point, they they were like, okay, we're just going to kill them all. Yeah. Because she kind of gave the look and that's when they closed the doors, right? They, they right. put the, put the um, right. beam across the yeah. doors. But it's just when you learn about the loot, you're like, okay, so this is what they do. They get a, a bar full of truckers, they, they murder them, and right. they eat them and take all their stuff. But they're very insistent on, uh, we don't we don't want to deal with these people. Let's get them out of the bar. Yeah, I kind you know, of felt until like... Until it's forced upon them. It was interesting to me that Selma Hayek went after Richie. Like, almost like she sensed that he was like the bat, the real bad egg. Yeah, you know? I, Yeah, you could take it that way. Or also that... I mean, he did have a wound in his hand, so maybe there. I mean, he was bleeding, right. even, maybe, even though yeah. he wasn't bleeding, bleeding. Maybe she was attracted to him just because the scent of blood was upon him. The little leg luge with the alcohol was pretty, yeah, pretty hot. There's a bar in Harrisburg. I've seen that done. Oh, really? 
Yeah. What's Her- that's, that's, that's Salma Hayek? <laughs> not, not Salma Hayek, and that's Harrisburg, no. Pennsylvania for, sorry. I was going to say, we're going to have to do I was, a road trip. I was assuming, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, I don't think I need to be there for that. If it was Salma Hayek? Wow. Bros. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Anne and I will have our other options, but... Yeah, I don't I I don't know if you really find some Hayek worthy people in those types of like women in those bars. Like you have to go to a pretty nice place to get that quality. Some Hayek quality? Yeah, some Hayek. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean yeah. I mean yeah, I mean. That's a, that's probably big dollars. We don't have big dollars for you to get a light luge. So what did you guys think of the supporting cast here? You have Sex Machine, you have the Vietnam vet Frost, I guess, although I never knew his name until I read the wiki there. That was when you said that. That was the first time I realized he had a name. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, you have uh, you have Machete, right? And I guess we already talked about Sama Hike. But what about the what about the other three? Sex Machine was probably one of my favorite characters here. I, I feel like you know the first time you see him, he's got this little like finger whip, you know it, that he basically grabs the the, you know, the the beer bottle neck from somebody else and it takes it and. The guy pulls a knife on him, and then he's just sitting there, and all of a sudden, he's got this gun oh that comes God, out. The, the, crotch the, the crotch gun. The crotch gun. And you're like, wow, well, that's pretty awesome. And the guy walks away, lets him have his beer, and then it just flips back up. And I'm like, oh, man, this guy's this guy's badass. Although, how do you use that exactly? I'm trying – aiming that is, it would be a unique feat sitting down. <laughs> what? Like, how does it fire? I have so many questions Yeah, is the, the, the recoil? How do, is the recoil okay? <laughs> I'm just wondering what's, what's happening Maybe there. Maybe it's a pelvic thrust. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But it is awesome. Just pure visuals. Yes, it was, yeah, it was awesome. pretty – yeah. I never would have – yeah. <laughs> never would have thought that one up. And then I actually liked it, later on in the movie. Of course, he gets bitten, and then he's in the background uh, when Frost is giving his like you know Viet Cong speech about oh, yeah. killing all killing all the people, which is such a weird aside in the movie. But um, but I like how he 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 feels his 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 teeth and and he has fangs all of a sudden, and he puts his hand up over his mouth, yeah. and then his hand changes. And I'll be honest with you, I thought that was a really well done effect. I mean, you're talking about the hand changing while it's on his mouth. And I didn't see, I didn't see the seams there. You would think you would see as far as like, you know, them starting and stopping the camera yeah. or whatever they did. I think I had a lot of problems with the face changing. They thought that a lot of it was cheesy, but then there were some of the good effects, like with the teeth. I thought that was in the hand. Like I, I was shocked that you would either have such horrible face changings, and then some good ones. Like, I didn't know what the difference was between them that made them some look cheesy and some look real. Because there was a lot of changing going on. You have a lot of vampire activity in this one. I actually felt like the morphing, like Sama Hayek's morphing and some of the other characters who actually did sort of the, the CGI morph, I thought it was pretty good considering the time frame. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought for the time period, the effects are pretty good. The regular rules for movie vampires didn't seem to apply. Like some people took you know, an hour to turn. Other people got bitten. They were immediately, uh, you know, and then you have sex machine who's just turning in stages. And Yeah. And, and then when you stab them, some of them went directly melted. Some of them right. burst in flames. Some of them just sat there for a while. Yeah. Like there was, there was, yeah. The, the rules were all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very unusual. Yeah. You know. so and like then you take all of the rules and just throw them into this one room. Yeah. Then you have sex machine who gets his head popped off and then a dog head comes out he doesn't even die he yeah, just turns like into some thing, other right? rat yeah, yeah rat i'm sorry a rat thing by the way the weakest effect in my right. opinion I like agree. But, i mean yeah. i feel like they should have left that one on the cutting room floor figured out some other way of doing it because it really that dipped into evil dead 2 territory for me as far as the the effect was concerned 
So, but you had brought up the green blood, and the reason why they made the vampire blood green was in order to not get the NC-17 rating, which was very reminiscent to me of the Evil Dead, because they did the same thing there. Let's just change the color of the blood, because that's what makes it okay. So, so do you think that the ratings people came to them and said, look, you say pussy 50 times, I see 20 boobs, you can either cut those down and have your red blood, or you can keep all those and have green blood. And they were like, green blood, definitely green blood. I don't know. Because, I mean, you think about all the other stuff in the movie, and it was the red blood that was going to turn it. Yeah, I don't NC-17. know. NC-17. Yeah. Like, yeah, know. that to me, to have volumes and volumes of blood gushing everywhere wouldn't have the same impact as a bunch of naked women. And, and was there volumes of blood gushing? Like, nowhere near as much blood as Evil Dead. I mean, there's walls of blood coming out in Evil Dead. The Shining had an entire elevator yeah. full of blood. We didn't see. I mean, it was just But would regular you have blood. wanted to see... The wife naked in that? Probably not. Oh, no. Yeah. So the only thing they had <laughs> no. going Hell for no. them to get the bad rating but it's was still the, interesting. the, the blood. But still, NC-17 is so, to me, that's such a, a sexual yeah, I rating. Agree. Like, yeah. I mean, you think. Blood's not going to be like the thing showgirls. You know, like yeah. that was NC-17. Eyes wide was, shut. Yeah, things like that. So it's very, yeah. very interesting. Yeah. So, and I just was shocked that, like, what makes it that when you have a vampire movie that they're gooey and oozy and you get this, like, I don't know, when you stab them, they just, I don't even know the word for it, but they just, this ooze flies out and it's sticky and yucky. Well, I, Why are vampires yucky? They should be desiccated. Well, you know? I guess because they take blood in and it Maybe. restores them, I, I guess. Know. It's so gross. But I will ap- I appreciate that the movie addressed the fact that they are taking table and chair legs which are blunt and shoving them through bodies which is impossible oh yeah i loved the one where she tries to do it like it's juliette lewis trying to kill yeah. somebody and it was like over and over again it's just nothing's happening and then finally she gets it but it, it wasn't even like they were going stake through the heart it was you know just anywhere stabbing him in the gut yeah. you know yeah. stabbing him in the shoulder and these things you know sometimes uh 12 of them blow up at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, what is happening? I was like, was that basically like you, you shot the one that turned the other 11 so they all die through the chain? Like, I don't, I was yeah. like, I don't know. So two parts I really enjoyed in, in this section of the movie. The one was, now let's kill that fucking band. I like that part. And they just explode for no reason. They just <laughs> yeah. blow themselves up. Can, can we talk about the band for a second? Sure, let's talk about the you band for a second. talk about like, the torso guitar? Yeah, like, what? where the hell did that come Wait, from? I get that they turned into vampires, <laughs> but then all of a sudden they're playing like it's a, a human leg and a torso and some string, and I mean, they're still playing a hell of a tune on it. And I was like, <laughs> where, was where did this come from? <laughs> yeah, that, that was another thing that was a little campy to me, a little on the ultra camp side, because it's obviously unrealistic. It was just funny, but it was really funny because you're just like you were a band and played a guitar. Now all of a sudden you're a vampire. I can't have a regular guitar. I got to have this torso thing. Yeah. Where? What? Did they always have it, or did they take one of? the I'm assuming they, they made one. Yeah, yeah, I'm assuming they made it out of. They're probably in the background making it. You just don't see them. Yeah, it and just seems so know. funny. And then you just blow up. And then you just then blow you blow up. up you're yeah. like, oh, I'm not. It's not worth the fight. I'll just, yeah. I'll just, I'll just implode, explode. But then I guess after that, so getting back to Frost, so <laughs> this this scene where the guys he's just going crazy, you know, talking about uh, I, I was in a hole, you know, all my dead, uh, you know, comrades, uh, comrades yeah. were on top of me, and I dug out, and I, and you, you see him stabbing in the air, <laughs> yeah. and the whole time I'm sitting there thinking like, 
listen, you may be in a room full of vampires. You may have all these freaking bats outside. But if I'm Scott, I'm like, holy shit, I need to get away from this guy. (laughs) I am running far because I'm the only Asian dude. And he's just, he's back in Vietnam right now, (laughs) killing Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it it was a scene earlier than that um, where one of my favorite gags in the movie is where he, um, he takes the heart out of the guy oh, yeah, and it's pumping awesome. and then he's walking backwards and he kind of walks up the stairs and the guy comes up and then Jacob and, and Seth Gecko just wail on him and beat him down and beat him down and beat him down. And I like how he says, all right, that's enough. And then Seth hit him, hits him one more time because nobody can sell, tell Seth to stop doing something right. He's too cool for that shit. Uh, and then uh, and then Sex Machine comes over with the with the pencil. With yeah. the pencil. Yes, the pencil <laughs> the, stabs the heart with it. There's just a random... You know, Bic number two hanging out on the floor, <laughs> well, it's, dead it's, bodies. It's, it's on, it's on a, um, a waiter's uh, waitress's tray, I think, I, is where it is. Were there waitresses? All I saw was I, strippers. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, stripper waitresses. You know how it works. And then the four, like, ladies line up that they're going to fight. And the dude takes the pencil out and throws the heart and keeps the pencil. Yeah. <laughs> like he's going to use that as the weapon. Is gonna, I'm going to do that, some damage I this. mean, that shit is funny. Although, I did wonder this time. There's one of those uh, women is, like, a really uh, made-up, desiccated-looking vampire her stomach is like open and like open. Yeah, that was and, interesting. I, and i was like is that something they cut from the rest of the movie that we we maybe we would have gotten that story yeah i'm not sure like i i found that scene very interesting because you, you have the four and really you have like three beautiful women there who have not really turned into vampires you know maybe they their faces a little bit you know bangs but i mean you got, you got, you got six boots I, coming at you I could, I could deal with that you know and then on the end you've just got this like you're like, I don't – what is happening here with this fourth one where it – I don't even know if it was a vampire. It was just like <laughs> rolls upon rolls of like flesh. And I'm like, yeah. So. I don't remember this. I guess I wasn't paying attention at that part. You were, you, you, you were looking at the good boobs. Maybe I was looking at the sex machine. You, you were probably focused on the fact that this was like the third time in the movie that Seth refilled his six-shooter. And he's just got the uh, the bullets like in his vest pocket. I'm like, this has to be the heaviest vest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he's yeah. just pulling bullets out of this thing. You know? Yeah. I did love the whole scene where Salma Hayek goes after Seth. And she's sitting there, you're going to be my slave, which I thought was kind of a little interesting take on the vampire thing so she would have turned him to be her slave i guess yeah i've heard that before that, that that's that's not a, not an uncommon part of the mythology right there's like a right. the master vampire and but it's a woman slaves. and i don't i think you usually see the male with the women you do of, you do yeah yeah gender role yeah. I, I would agree yeah, yeah. so I, I enjoyed that aspect because she's you know unbelievably gorgeous and she's dressed up in the sexy outfit so you would think that she would be more of the i'm the slave but here she is saying to this guy, "No, I'm gonna, you're gonna lick my feet or whatever." And then he, hey, lick, he has lick, the one ad lib line shit off my boot. I believe yeah. it was. Yeah. Yes, his one ad lib line about I was married before, and then impales her with a chandelier. I thought it was great. I, and I felt like with Selma Hayek, it's funny you say about the the relationship about you know that the slavery is. I got a, very much a sense of like Queen Bee mm-hmm. and it's a beehive. Like so, she was definitely in charge of everybody in that bar. Like that all the true. vampires. Because she gives all the looks and they all seem to know what right. to do. Right. So it was very interesting. She was definitely kind of the, the master. Which which is interesting from the narrative's perspective that basically they kill off all of the individualized vampires at the very beginning. Right? She yeah. dies. Bichette dies. The guy with the heart, you know. Um, and you're left with this mass of just random vampires that came out of 
No, are they the ones that are not human enough to like work the bar or something? Because none of them look like humans; they're right. like goblins or or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the case. Yeah, and it's it's definitely an interesting spin because if you think about it from from that point on for the rest of the movie, there there was no antagonist. Yeah, there was no villain. It was just we survival. Just to, yeah. It was a, it was a zombie movie. It was right. like a survival movie. Yeah. So Richie comes back as a vampire, and the one thing I didn't understand is he comes back, he does the morph face thing, and he has this really big head, right. <laughs> a vampire head, and then he changes for, like, one quick scene to just, like, regular Richie with fangs. Yeah. And I was trying to th- understand whether that actually happened or that was, like, Seth looking at him and seeing through his sort of, like, vampire face. Like, I, I didn't understand why they decided to do that or cut that in. Yeah, and and it seemed like uh, very early on in his new life as a vampire that he just knew how to control his uh, changing. Or he's like, oh, you know, my brother's thinking about killing me, so let me turn back into regular Richie. <laughs> let me and, dial it back to slightly. Yeah, yeah, let, me, let me dial it back. It's just crazy Maybe if he rich, sees this you know? crazy face. That was kind of weird. I, I found it very interesting that once he turned back, that's when Seth decided to kill him. <laughs> Yeah, he was yeah. okay. He was okay with vampire Richie, but he was like, "Oh shit, the crazy guy's back!" <laughs> no, he's like, "We we got to get rid of this guy. <laughs> got to kill this guy now." I, I mean, I would think that Seth would be somewhat relieved that Richie's gone, and I think he might feel bad about being relieved. But I mean, honestly, if that was your brother and he was a rapist and a murderer like that, you'd be happy just to not have to deal with him. That's where they have their moment of the speech you know, about like. They're, they're still not sure they believe in vampires, but they see vampires. Okay, I'm not sure what you're – you're not believing at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they're all going through. Like, I, I, I really appreciated the uh, the dialogue with the um, – oh, you know, the silver bullets? Will, you know, will that work? Or is that werewolves? Or you know, stick <laughs> yeah. to heart? And, you know, and hard, I think uh, Jacob said some of the effect. It was like, does anybody know anything that they haven't seen in a movie? You know, yeah. Like, does anybody yeah. know anything real? You know, and then yeah. you know, Seth is like, Well, our our best weapon is this man right here. And like, oh, the man that no longer believes in God. Yeah. You know, but because he maybe he still has his I guess he still has his ministry license in a wallet, as they showed uh in the scene in the R V when uh when Jacob and Seth were talking. So I guess as long as you have that, just like the trucker license, you're you're good yeah, to go. God, God's good too. Oh, you have a valid minister. Yep, yeah. holy water is like, on tap. He's good like not, not expired. I don't need to <laughs> repent. I don't need I mean, there was no let me have a conversation with God and renew my faith. None of that. You just right. see him he's you know, hiding behind the bar after he gets bit and he's just like, Oh shit, look, I got a, a shotgun here and I got a bat here and Oh, look, it looks like a cross. Yeah, I'm good to great. go. Yeah, and, it, and it's interesting that he can make the holy water after he's bitten. Yeah. When they, they even reference the fact that it's almost like he's already dead. So, you know, it's like kind of like a vampire almost making holy water, which I think God would have a problem with that. Probably. But, but then you, you get back into the, what are the rules with these vampires? Because you say, I'm probably going to turn within the hour. And I'm like, wait, did, Frost just took... 10 seconds. Ten sec- yeah, I like how, and I like how sure he is about it. Yeah. Within the hour, like, it's okay to let me in here. It's okay not to watch me. We definitely have enough time. Yeah, he's saying, does anybody know any real facts about vampires? And yet didn't take anything that he learned during that experience out there to say, yeah. maybe I only take 10 minutes to turn. Maybe we do have a problem here. Yeah, I don't know that I would have let him in. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. But you know what was interesting about that scene is they're in this bar and then – 
to go to this storage room. But I'm like in this tunnel that looks like it was dug into a cave. And I was like, where the hell did they suddenly go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, all of a sudden they're they're in a cave somewhere. I'm like, what <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> and then there's this massive door, you know, like it's almost like a ship door. It's, it's like the catacomb. It's like the catacombs of of the te- old temple, I guess. I would assume. Well, yeah. I mean, you get that right, once yeah. you see that it's actually a pyramid at the yeah, yeah, end of yeah. the movie. You know, and I was just like, the first time I watched it, I'm like, weren't they just in a bar? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. There's this long tunnel, right? This yeah. is like one door, a long tunnel, and then another door. You're like, what is what is that exactly? And what I thought was interesting is that they are like, okay, we need to find some weapons. Why wouldn't you just wait it out, knowing what you do know from the movies that they don't like sunlight? I mean, really, you only need one weapon to kill Jacob once he turns within the hour. Right. If they had just stayed in that room, I mean, obviously, you wouldn't have a movie conclusion. Okay. But really, was the conclusion a conclusion? I mean, I mean, maybe the assumption is that you don't know whether the vampires have a back door they can get to. Like you, you know, you're assuming that they can't get in somehow, or that they're not going to eventually going to be able to break down the doors. Or something, right? I mean, there's a lot of them, so. Or really, I mean, they clearly live there in some fashion. So right. it's not till the very end when you get some light coming into the bar because it's completely, there's no windows. Yeah. It's dark. So you wait it out. I mean, you're going to starve before they, they're not just going to go away. Yeah. And, and getting to the to the end there with, with the light, I was kind of confused about that too because they're in a temple, which is like stone. And I'm assuming thick stone. And then all of a sudden they're shooting and they're shooting holes into like not just the windows, which are boarded up, of yeah. course, but like it seemed like the walls and the ceiling and everywhere. And I, I didn't really understand how they were shooting holes through those things. I, I feel like the very top of the pyramid was kind of it's probably getting too deep here, but like behind where the band was and the bar itself was like built onto the front I get it. So, pyramid. so it was so like a facade. A it was yeah. a facade like a built on the front. Okay. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, you would have to go behind the stage to actually get into like the pyramid. It's kind of the way I yeah. viewed it. Okay. An interesting fact about the bar was that they actually built it in Arizona because they didn't ah. want to have to deal with an actual bar, probably with mm-hmm. the blowing up and the blood and the, you know, shooting holes in it. Gotcha. Thing. So that was it. Actually, they had to build it and then shoot the movie. I thought that was kind of cool. So they're in the room, and they've got less than an hour before Jacob turns. So they've, yeah, they're 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 cutting crosses into bullets, and uh, you know. I loved that. I thought it was ridiculous. Well, at least it explains the explosions, though. I mean, you have you have the crossbow that is contained within a box with a cross on it. You know? <laughs> so it's like a religious crossbow, and then you have Seth, who, like, what the hell are you doing, Seth? He finds like a jackhammer, and then he puts a uh, a wooden stake. I I mean, he carved it into a stake, yeah. but it was yeah. just like a, a a wooden rod almost. And I'm like, this has got to be the least effective weapon you could possibly fashion for yourself. It was ridiculous. I, I think mean, it was like almost the Evil Dead, like we're putting a chainsaw on the arm type thing. We need something equally ridiculous. But here's the thing. When he's using his thing and he's, you know, I don't know how many times he had to start it. Like apparently he had a very bad engine. Sure. You know, <laughs> yeah. but <laughs> there's 50 vampires around him and he's swinging it around and, you know, getting guys, getting one at a time like in their stomachs and, you know, it's just 
Jack Herman away at him, and I'm like, they have some like serious rules here with vampire attacks. I'm like, this is you know, these aren't street rules. They're one at a time. One at a time. Hey, one ge- at a time. it's gentlemen's rules at the, yeah, in the bar. Yes. I mean, clearly, it's like nope. <laughs> the only time you ever saw more than one vampire attack at a time was when they killed Scott. <laughs> well, yeah, that's very true. There was there was like six of them. They were like, "This kid's got to go." Like, <laughs> they were like, "We're go. we're not even turning this kid. He's just got to go. <laughs> he's he's food." Yeah, <laughs> poor Scott. But then you then you've got Kate, who you know through this whole movie, it's you know she can't stab the the one guy, even though you know he, until he you know turns into a vampire and tries to eat her, and you know she's trying to kick. You know, ahead at one point, she's just you know very much can't do anything. You're your your classic uh, damsel in distress character until she gets that crossbow, and then all of a sudden she is like a sharpshooter. Yes, she is. She is shooting uh, vampires in the head from across the bar. She's hey. she's doing barrel rolls and picking up guns, and I was like, holy. Like, it's the uh, survival skills class that she took at a religious camp during uh, her growing up years. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, you would have thought she would be more likely to have like a rape whistle or something, but you know, she's just flipping all over the place. And no, I thought it was fun. Oh no, yeah, I mean, it was it's I, great. Yeah, it's it's not what you expected. The whole though. thing was complete ridiculousness. And then Scotty, Scotty, the boy, yeah, Scott, yeah, Scott, yeah. he's got this stupid nerf, like the water gun. With the condoms filled with holy water. Yeah, holy water, with the condoms yeah. filled. Yeah, which which honestly is probably the best weapon. I'd be yeah. honest with you, like I was probably one of that I would have chosen. Yeah, I mean, which was going to be it, my question: a, which would you choose? Yeah, it's a spread weapon. I mean, you can the the when the water explodes in the in the condoms is going to go yeah. everywhere. I mean, it's a pretty good. But let's talk about a weapon of contradiction: holy water within a condom. It's okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a used condom. It's just a two, condom. Those are two things that just don't go together. That's true. That is very true. But I don't think it nullifies. Should have poked a hole in the condom. But what? Also, why? <laughs> Why are they breaking? <laughs> why are they breaking? Why, why, like, why are they breaking when he throws they aren't, them? They're they've des- been stored there for too long. Yeah, they're yeah, past their they're, expiration. They're, they're, they're designed not to break. <laughs> That's true. That is true. That is true. That would have been funny. He throws his <laughs> bounces. Yeah. <laughs> Safety first. Yeah. I mean, there were some cool effects. Like, uh, I think he threw the one. Was it? Was that his daddy threw it where like half his face? Yeah, that was yeah. Jacob. Yeah, yeah, that was yep. that was a really cool effect. You just kind of see some bone in there. And, yeah, yeah. I also appreciate the fact that I like how the vampires all go, move away from Jacob when he's getting ready to turn. Like they're attacking him and he's fighting yeah. them, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh no, no, you're a buddy. I'm, right. You're cool." Yeah. And they just kind of back off, and then he turns into the vampire. Yeah. So she shoots Scott. Right. She shoots him. She does. And he has his last moment of of humanity. Kill, where he's, kill me, Kate. Kill me. Kill me. Yeah. She shoots him and then he explodes, right? They all explode. Yeah, yeah. Like all eight of them. <laughs> well, you know. What is like it? he wasn't even a vampire yet at that point. She killed a human and eight vampires exploded. <laughs> <laughs> but that that was when she did the, the barrel roll, I believe. Yeah, right? she did the yeah. barrel roll and grabbed the gun. That's yeah. right. And I appreciate then right after that, her and Seth are back to back. And she's like, do you want me to save two bullets? For, for us, for us, yeah, and yeah. he's like, "No, sh- you know, shoot the next vampire that that attacks you." And then he says, "Shoot the holes in the wall." Yeah, of course. yeah. And they they both had, yeah. You know, I mean, she's talking about she's got like six bullets left, and then they shot I don't know 
30, 40 holes yeah. in the, the walls yeah, between yeah, the two yeah. of them. You know? yeah. I don't even think he had a gun at that point. No, he, I think he had one, but he was he was hitting. He yeah. was hitting yeah. I don't think, think he had a out. bullet. Yeah. 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 And then Carlos comes in, right? They they hear the knocking on the door, and then they blow the door open, and they run out, and then the, the, the sunlight building. comes in, the yeah. sunlight hits the hits the uh the disco ball and uh <laughs> and blows them all blows them all That's up. Great. Yeah. And then the whole place it blows up. And my favorite line in the movie is George Clooney when Carlos asks him, Were they psychos? He's like, Did they look like psychos? <laughs> yeah. Psychos do not explode when sunlight hits them. I don't give a fuck how crazy they are. That every time I watch that movie, I go back and have to watch that like that three times because I love that line. How did you choose this part? I, I mean, I don't know. You just drive past it and <laughs> looks like a rowdy. <laughs> pl- yeah. Looks like a rowdy place. <laughs> One place is good as another, right? <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and all of the uh, he's like, well, uh, how can I make it up to you? He's like, my brother is dead. That girl's whole family is dead. Can't make it up. Can't make it up. He's like, uh, you want a discount? Then they're haggling over yeah, the, haggling over the percentage. Yeah, yeah, and they go yeah. from fifteen uh, percent, and at the very end, he's like twenty-eight. You know, like, <laughs> so you number. saved yourself two percent <laughs> yeah. for your brother's life. <laughs> yeah. So, do you want to take a wild guess as to how many people died at the Titty Twister? Like the the end scene with the disco ball. Like all, like the whole titty twister. How many people? How many? One hundred and twenty-two. I was like, wow. who counted that? Like, wow. I mean, I don't know if maybe the directors did, but somebody actually went through and counted that. That's incredible. Because I mean, it's think, like very chaotic in there. But if you think about it, they the bar was packed. They yeah. cleared out the entire bar, and then you got a whole new set of bar patrons in once the uh, bats came in and turned into the vampires. That is so. true. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred and twenty-two. Wow, it's a lot. Yeah, pretty cool for Actually. such a short part of the movie too. It's a lot of people to die. And then Seth had some other actors that were considered for the role, and I was kind of surprised when I read who it was because I thought they would have made better Richies than Seths. And it was Christopher Walken, John Travolta, and Steve Buscemi. I don't see any of them. Maybe John Travolta would have played just because how how Clooney played him. Yeah, I mean, Travolta seems the more normal of the three of those guys. Right, but he could also go crazy, so I would have thought they would have made better Richies, but yeah, the difference in what would have happened, because Steve Buscemi is yeah, crazy, Bush- guys. Buscemi is definitely you, a Richie. Yeah. Do you know how George Clooney ended up in this movie? Because Quentin Tarantino directed an episode of ER. I would like to see that, just to see. And that's how they met. What does that direct like? What does that look like? You I, know I that don't episode. Let's yeah. see if I can grab that. Hmm. I, I, I like how they haggle over the price, and then, you know, the whole time Kate's just standing in the back, like blood covered on her shirt, just looking like what the hell just happened. And then, yeah, Seth makes her go get his briefcase of money, so she just kind of drops the gun that yeah, she, she has. She slings it behind her, like, yeah. like, all right, and yeah. He's like, here's your money. And <laughs> yeah. Then he just uh, refuses to take her with her. Yeah. Uh, I felt kind of bad for her because now she's like, well, one, I was surprised that she just drove off because it didn't seem like the bar was that far from the Border Patrol. Like, I would have showered and changed maybe before driving off because, like, we know that all the vampires are dead. I, I mean, I know he's not a great guy, but I just feel bad that she had to go back home all alone. I, I, I just love the way he turns it down. It's like the cheesiest line. It's just. Yeah. doesn't work at all. Even Clooney's delivery of it, I think, is 
pretty awful. Where he's like, I, uh, I may be a bastard, but I'm not a fucking bastard. I'm like, <laughs> what does that even mean? But it was the perfect end to that kind of movie. So you're like, all oh, right, that just made no sense. But uh, hey, he's just leaving her in the desert with her RV yeah. and her dead family. Yeah. I mean, I think you get what he's trying to say, right? Which is oh, like, yeah. you know, I'm not taking a teenager with me who, you know, we don't really know what El Rey is like. It could not be a place for a teenage girl with no family. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like it. So do we want to move on to the kill, chill, and thrill segment, guys? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So I would like to start with Jimmy. All right. So what are the rules here? I have to... So who would you want to kill out of the movie? Who would you want to hang out with, which is the chill? chill. And then who would you want to sleep with? Thrill part is easy. A pre-vampire Salma. Yeah, because that was just phenomenal. She looked great in this movie. She does look great. Yeah. Chill with? I, I feel like I would uh, chill with Sex Machine. Yeah? He seemed like he would just be a cool guy to hang out with. You're not going to pay for beers. You know, nobody's going to mess with you. <laughs> yeah. That's true. You know, he's got his little finger whip to steal people's beers. So he seemed like a pretty cool character. Kill? This one's tough for me because I, I, <laughs> I really just hated Scott. But uh, I, I feel like I would kill Richie. Um, I would just be concerned that he would probably kill me at some point if I didn't. You have one thing going for you, is that you're not a woman. Yeah. I feel like he had a tendency towards those. Crazy's crazy. True that. What about you? All right. So, kill. If I had to kill somebody, I would probably kill Scott. Because I, he would get on my nerves. He was a close second for me. Yeah, I know. I figured you might go with Scott, but yeah, he's just he's he's pretty bad. Although in in a realistic sense, Richie would be the smarter one to kill because, like you say, you're, he's probably going to turn on you at some point. As far as chill, I would chill with Machete. I know I'm using I don't know what his character's name is, but he sounds like a pretty. He's a bartender, you know. He he's hardcore. I mean, you can you can see chilling with him would be pretty yeah. cool. And as far as Thrill's concerned, I have a completely off-the-wall thrill. So the news reporter, she's Mm. only in the movie for a slight bit. She is John Travolta's wife. Yep. In real life? In real life. Kelly Preston. Yep. And uh, she's pretty smoking hot, too. She is. I thought, we didn't even talk about her, but I thought her delivery of the news was hilarious because you're delivering tragedy and smiling the entire time. She was so excited to talk about all all the dead Texas Rangers. Yeah, she was just happy to be on the news. Yeah. Yeah, so... There you go. So mine, I also would kill Scott. He he was just worthless to me. I, I talked the worst about Scott this entire time, and, and I'm the only one that him, spared yeah. his life. No, I, I thought we should let him go. Well, With you, chill, you, I said Salma before you, she's a vampire, just because, uh, you know, she could probably teach me some sweet dance moves. I'm all and for that. Maybe we, we just take this road trip to Harrisburg and meet up with <laughs> Salma we'll, at that yeah. bar. And, uh, <laughs> and Thrill, I would have to go with Sex Machine. He's got that, you know, fully loaded crotch. Got to try that out. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. yeah you, you hope he has more than just that crotch gun, That's though. That's true. Uh, yeah, you're not sure you know. what's going on underneath. Yeah, I don't know what the recoil is. yourself sex machine, it better be magnificent. More sex and less machine? <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Well, now that we have reviewed the movie and done our kill, chill, and thrill, it's time to rate it. Only the best movies make it to the top of the hill, and to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. The first is technical composition, which represents how well the movie's made, including script, directing, cinematography, acting, and effects. 
The second is impact, which represents how well the movie accomplished its emotional intent. Was it scary? Was it funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of reality? And third is enjoyment, which is pretty simple. How much did you enjoy watching the movie? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to watch it again? So let's go through all of our scores each in turn. Helen? Sure. Um, so for technical composition, I gave it a six because there were some of the like graphics that I just didn't think really looked good, especially the brat, the acting, questionable with Scott. <laughs> then the rest of the actors, I thought, did a really good job for the most part. So I gave it a six. For impact, I gave that a six as well. I thought that it was funny. I didn't think it was scary. I wasn't sure if they were really trying to make it scary. So six. But for enjoyment, I gave it an eight because I definitely thought I could go back and watch this a couple times and still find some new things to laugh about. All right, Jim. All right, so for a technical composition, I, I guess I wrap into this and I think about just the type of movie it was, you know, and with Tarantino and Rodriguez and very, very much a Tarantino movie for definitely the first half. You know, I, I think of like Reservoir Dogs and you know something like that in Pulp Fiction, and you know, so the dialogue was really good, and uh, I, I thought a lot of the effects were were good, especially for the time that this movie was was placed in. You know, and uh, yeah, I think back to when I first saw this when I was probably in my teens, too. So I thought it was done pretty well. I'd probably give it a seven. So, in fact, I'd probably give it a six. You know, there was nothing that was, you know, overly, overly wowing to me. Um, there was a couple of cool moments. You know, the first time you watch it, like when Salma Hayek just suddenly turns into a vampire, you're just like, well, this movie just changed. Like, what just happened? Um, you know, that's really kind of when it turns into the, the horror aspect and turns away from a Tarantino movie. So that's uh, interesting. For um, enjoyment, um, you know, I've seen this movie so many times. You know, it's on TV and it's such a different movie on TV that get, going back and purposefully watching it uncut with the language and all the scenes and all the gore and all the boobs, of course, you know, it's it, it makes you appreciate it so much more for the times that you watched it when it didn't have all those things and you all enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it didn't have all those things and you're like, wow, you know, I enjoyed this before that. Now that I watch this again, I'm like, holy crap. So I'd probably give it an eight. So for technical composition, I'm going to give this a nine. What? So Scott <laughs> brings it down and the rat brings it down. But beyond that, I thought this movie was excellently made the impact i'm gonna give it a seven it's hard because i think the first time you see this movie is where it's the most impactful obviously because it changes but i still think even watching it this time the movie is obviously an action movie but within that you have richie as a very disturbing character you have seth and jacob's sort of relationship which is obviously stunted because of everything that happens in the bar but you have this sort of their two families and them trying to make it through this ordeal together and out the other side. And obviously then you have the whole thing with the vampires and sort of Seth dealing with his, his brother's death and his having to kill his brother. And then the decimation of, of, um, of Kate's family. I thought it was impactful in that sense. It, it, I don't think it's so much on the surface of the movie because it doesn't play as much as a drama. But I thought it was enough to give to give it a seven, and then for enjoyment, it's a ten. I I enjoy this movie. I would watch this movie a million times. I really enjoy it. I think it's good. I don't think there's any reason not to give it a ten. 
All right, well, after doing the tabulation here, Helen, you rated this movie at a 6.66. Round up to 6.67. Jim, you gave it a 7. And I gave it an 8.67. So overall, From Dust Till Dawn scored 7.45, which does not put it at the top of the hill, but it does put it just below our current uh, movie, which is Ghostbusters. So you're not very happy with that? <laughs> no. Helen? I mean, I I was saying offline that I, it's disappointing that it naturally is occurring. It's not like we're choosing movies that aren't classic horrors to be rated higher, but I, I just was hoping that we, we will find a horror movie that will outrank Ghostbusters. Because to me, Ghostbusters in this one were not truly horror movies. Okay. So it hurts me inside a little bit. There's a little tear. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, help us grow our audience. Rate and review us on iTunes, and please share with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Give us a shout-out to tell us how we're doing or suggest a movie to review. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at host.hth at gmail.com. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and on behalf of my co-hosts, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. 